Why, why, why did book stop reading my shit? Why, why, why do they read that other shit? I wonder why they don't love me like they did. I wonder if Livia still likes to vape. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm being mocked. Welcome to Book to Where Two Guys Tell You About the Books They're Reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Uh, sorry about last week. Yeah, but things happen. Me, I think. I mean, I wasn't going to throw it out there, but. <laughs> I think I, I got like mono or something because I just was sleeping all the time. The kissing <laughs> disease, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, but is this is this like the, the virgin birth? What are you saying? I wasn't kissing anybody. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Were you? No, I wasn't. So okay, yeah, it was kind of like go. immaculate. So, immaculate uh, mono. Yeah, mono. <laughs> All right, now that we got that out of the way, um, I don't, like, I don't know if people are going to take me seriously when I say this. Uh, we are going to have a guest um, with us this evening, but we're going to talk about Tales from the Crust, which is a pizza-themed horror anthology. Yeah, that's real. Now, people who listen to this podcast regularly, they already know about this, right? They've seen all the social media, they've whatever, but. People who, you know, maybe don't listen all the time or don't run in the same, you know, whatever social media circles that we do might think this couldn't possibly be a thing. But somehow, amazingly, it is. And we're going to get to the bottom of it this episode. We're going to get to the crust of it. So here's the synopsis. It's terrible. I know. This is, I'm, I'm rusty. It's been we, we took a week off. Uh, here's the synopsis for the anthology. The toppings, terror and torment. The crust stuffed with dread and despair. And the sauce. Well, the sauce is always red. Uh, whether you're in the mood for a Chicago-style deep dish of darkness or prefer a New York wide slice of thin crust carnage, or if you just have a hankering for the cheap, cheesy charms of a cardboard crust delivered to your door devilry, we have just the slice for you. Bring your most monstrous of appetites because we're serving suspense and horrors, both chillingly cosmic and morbidly mundane, from acclaimed horror authors such as Brian Evanson, Jessica McHugh, and Cody Goodfellow, as well as up-and-coming literary threats like Craig Walwork, sorry, Craig Walwork, Sherry White, and Tony McMillan. Tales from the Crust, stories you can devour in 30 minutes or less, or your next one's free, whatever that means. The whatever that means was actually part of the synopsis. I just didn't want people right. to think that yeah, yeah. Rob was just being snarky. That wasn't one of my ad-libs. <laughs> no, um... So, yeah, we're going to talk about stories from there, not in maybe not in the traditional format, because we're going to have with us in just moments, David James Keaton, who is one of the masterminds behind this book. It's probably an apt, <laughs> put it right. Uh, yeah, he seems so knowing him and knowing that this is a pizza horror themed book. He's probably the guy that kept egging on Max Booth to keep going with this when Max probably like had little crises of like, why are we even doing this? I'd imagine David was the one that kept pushing it forward. That's a, that's a question that still needs an answer. And uh, here's Dave to answer it for us. David, thanks so much for coming on to talk to us about this pizza book. It's been, I looked four years, way too long. So it's uh it's about goddamn time. We got you back. Yeah. It's good to be, it's good to be back. Who'd have thunk it would take a pizza-themed horror book to get you back on the podcast? But you went all out. I'm going to give you that. That definitely caught somebody's attention. Yeah, it caused a bit of a bit of an online ruckus. Yeah, so so we want to talk about that, but 
I have the first question, and I'm sure from here I don't know how many more questions there will be. But I think that listeners, um, especially ones who haven't read this book, have have one real question, and that's why. <laughs> why? Oh, wait. <laughs> give me another drink, Spider. <laughs> wait, are you busting my balls? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'll be honest. It never occurred to me that the world needed a pizza <laughs> like themed horror anthology. And I, I'm going to assume I'm not the only person that's asked this question. So as the mastermind behind it, why, what, what, how did you come to the decision to, to do this? There's so many lies out there that I don't, I have to like, I, I've woven such a tangled web around this book, but I'll say uh, it, I had two other anthologies I did. And two is like a cursed number. So I always wanted to do three. And you know how like Tarantino's retiring after 10 movies? (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to retire after three anthologies. Then I would never have to do one again. Um, So, you know, I was kind of desperate for (laughs) for a theme. And uh, it seemed like an untapped kind of kind of gold mine like the idea is that you know you see all those bacon memes like people like some kind of basic stupid kind of humor i'm not saying pizza is like a bacon meme but there <laughs> there is a universal uh love for pizza and i the idea was could somebody do that seriously like, could somebody do a pizza horror story without it sounding like a like a goosebumps thing, like something stupid? Like, could you take that seriously? Because it's it's kind of like the the idea of, of the the good bizarro stories. You know, they're they're already inherently weird. So the best ones, like uh, like Cameron Pierce, for example, he takes it very seriously. The, the the you know the everything around it is nuts or goofy or inherently ridiculous and he takes it deadly serious almost overly serious to the point of like it's childlike in its sincerity it's very sincere right mm-hmm. so so that was the hope like can you do that seriously can you do a pizza story without it without it being just a big fucking goof or being like the bacon memes without it being like you know just without it being basic. Um, And that was the vast majority of the submissions we got. Nobody seemed to follow the, because I tried to spell that out in the call for stories. Um, And we made sure we did the cover art way early so that we could give people an idea because the cover is serious, you know? I guess it's, it's it's also kind of goofy, but it has that that vibe. And so I figured that combination would get the right stuff sent to us. And a lot of people were, were, you know, saying, well, you don't want to open that up to a slush pile because you're going to get bombarded with terrible stuff. And we did, but we also found some good stuff and I just couldn't do an invite only anthology. I mean, I just, I don't know about you guys, but I, I just think those are the fucking worst. Like, 
Every time an every time an invite only anthology comes out and you look at it and it's you know I have I have a couple of them I'm not going to name who they are but they're they're mediocre and I just want to you know grab somebody around the neck and say hey maybe if you stop soliciting trunk stories from your quote famous friends these anthologies wouldn't be such snoozy dog shit you know just a thought open it up to the world <laughs> and don't because if you're, if people are, if people are well known enough to give them a story, it's going to be a trunk story. If people are hungry, there's there's a middle ground. There's that that porch that's just right, you know. The middle ground of somebody being not the dregs of the slush pile, but also not just somebody's buddy who's going to say, "Oh, here's this fucking story. I threw a pizza in it. They wear it as a hat," you know. That's that's what you don't want. So anyway, invite only was out because I am not a fan of that of that model, um, which meant that we suffered through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of terrible stories. Um, but that's the nature of the beast. Like the people that put out the invite only, they just want you know they want it to be easy, um, and it shows. Those those anthologies are easy, and they read easy, and they're gone like that. Out of the brain. So. <laughs> Someone should probably address the elephant in the room. Yeah, ours um, was our anthology yeah, was yeah, yeah. definitely invite only. Oh, I know. <laughs> no, I, I don't remember. Did you get a bunch of trunk stories? Um, I mean, I think we Someone got sent one us this from... really lazy dumpster story. That yeah. <laughs> Did you get a literal garbage story from the garbage? <laughs> yes. Yes. As a matter of fact. The story oh. I sent you, I what I'm saying is I'm the porridge that's just right. I was hungry. <laughs> I sent you my best work. To, to be fair, and I, will say we, I will say we invited one person that maybe, maybe you could call famous <laughs> to that anthology just one. Well, then you found the loophole. The loophole is if you're going to do invite only, you know, make sure they have that, that look in their eye, like, you know, that they're going to give you their best work. Because For... the it doesn't happen for anybody who's who's not sure not familiar with the book anthology i just want to explain what we've been talking about <laughs> At one point, we decided after three years rob um i feel like years? it was yeah, it was about it was summer of two no it was the winter of 2012 we decided to do it so it was like just over a year since we started the podcast and we um chose to do an anthology only of people who have appeared on the podcast so as a fledgling podcast you can imagine well, there a... weren't a ton of new york times bestsellers yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's you have to admit that's a little different from what I'm talking about because you didn't you didn't cultivate people to be on your podcast based on them just being your buddies just being you know what I mean it wasn't as incestuous you sought out people that you maybe you liked their work to be on the podcast so it's a little mm -hmm. more organic I'm trying to give you an out here we are, yeah take, but I was take, I was take, really take... looking I wanted to play the victim in this thing yeah <laughs> but well, that's your that's your out. So I, I know you just said, so it, a serious number, though. How many stories do you think you you got? And how many stories do you think? Like, do you think well, there well, are then, horror stories out there that already existed that someone was like, finally, I have a home for this story? <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe. <laughs> um, the number I saw uh, today was 800 was the number I saw. Um it got. It was a blur. 
it was a blur. The I think that the people that wrote bad stories wrote them fast, and they were short, and it was just kind of like, a, here you go. Um, and because they saw the call for submissions, and they, they approached it like the bacon meat. You're like, oh, fuck yeah, pizza. Here's your fucking pizza story. Oh, <laughs> you, know I mean? oh, you know what I mean? So that those came fast and they were easy to, to burn through. Um, I'm not saying we didn't invite anybody. We invited some people as well. And uh, there were a few that um, I worked very closely with where there were some gaps that I wanted to fill in the book. And that happened with the Alcatraz book, too, where... Um, like probably the best uh, example of that was for the Alcatraz book. The idea was that, that I thought was missing was somebody um, writing a story that was based on that YouTube video, the Russian prisoner who jams himself through the food slot to escape his cell. Do you guys see that video? No, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I read about the video and I don't think I actually saw it, but I, I I'm familiar with what you're talking about. Yeah, so there's a there's a YouTube video of security footage of a guy escaping his cell by cramming his body out the food slot. So um, I thought that would be a great story because I kept trying to think of anything that has been unexplored with prison. And uh, you guys know Glenn Gray in his, oh, his yeah. medical his medical horror. So um, I reached out to him and I said it would be really great if you could apply your medical knowledge to what would actually happen if somebody squeezed through the bars of their cell. And he wrote this very clinical, um, very visceral depiction of that. It's got to be the most broken bones ever in a story, like in the history of fiction. I can't imagine. <laughs> because the guy has a condition where his bones are breakable, uh, easily breakable, more easily breakable. And um, so he keeps breaking his bones. and. To get through to us, it's kind of like in remember in Terminator 2 where the guy's going through the bars and his sunglasses don't go through. He's the metal, liquid metal guy. Yeah. So he slides through the bars, but then the, um, the sunglasses don't go through. They go clink. So that's kind of what happens with this guy's head because the guy's head is just a little too big for the bars. All of the manipulating he's doing with the rest of his body. And so what he has to do to his head has made people apparently uh, get kind of sick when they read that story. Um, at least that's what they've told me. Um, uh, I I didn't I didn't read the story. Rob, did you did you read the story? Well, so you're saying that's the Glenn Gray story in Hard Sentences? Yeah, uh, uh, that's an ex uh. and it's an example. Uh, I'm just using that as an example of a way to uh, to get what you want for your theme. You kind of mm. have to work. You do have to reach out and work with somebody to fill those gaps. And he had a very specific set of skills. Right. You guys have read his collection. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. For for readers who want to check out some body horror, The Little Boy Inside and Other Stories by Glenn Gray. Is, yes. Um, so good. So yeah. Good. Crazy. And we reviewed it like so, so long ago. So, yeah. So there was a couple people um, that uh, in Tales from the Crust that there were there were some pizza ideas that were floating around the like the public consciousness that I thought needed to be in there. Like the, you know, the Pizzagate stuff in the news. The idea that, you know, there's some sort of cabal or cult in a Chuck E. Cheese kind of deal. <laughs> so so that uh, those kind of things I wanted to be in there. 
Um, I wanted, uh, yeah, stuff like that. Stuff like, um, and I'm sure we'll probably get to the the grossest story in there. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's based on. Um, I don't know if I should spoil the fun of who it's based on, but it's based on some <laughs> very some very specific public quotes by a by a uh, prominent figure in our in our it's, government. It's timely. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's one of those things that. Um, that uh you know filled those gaps although he came up with that himself he uh that one came out of the blue and just kind of like sideswiped us <laughs> yeah i um, got a text it's funny so uh i'm gonna mention we're, this story. we're talking about yeah we should mention the story that's upper crust yeah by michael uh, paul yeah. gonzalez and as we i was setting up for uh um tonight to you know do the podcast i got a message from uh, longtime friend of the podcast, Adam and Oshkosh, whose legs don't work. Um, Adam, Adam, it, yeah. Who he he posted recently? He bought the the big ass kind of kit or whatever for your yes. your anthology. Um, he says, "Holy shit, Michael Paul Gonzalez can write gross out horror." Um, he said, "There's a paragraph I had to skip and will never ever look at again." <laughs> also, pizza horror is odd. So that's an early review from Adam and Oshkosh. <laughs> for yeah upper yeah. crust was a little tough to stomach no pun intended yeah it's um it's definitely the uh i would say it's the the grossest one and um <laughs> you actually not to uh i'll just give you a teaser you're, you're going to hear a little bit more about that story in the near future in another another capacity uh tease that a little bit but um but yeah, that uh, that was good because it was also tapping into the the zeitgeist, right? Um, yeah, for sure. And uh, you know that kind of thing was was what what I thought was kind of exciting. You know, stuff that was current and not not the the you know you kind of imagine like a horror story involving pizza is going to be. Well, the one we got a lot was a possessed pizza oven of some kind that's like eating people. The oven showed up a lot. The pizza attacking people showed up a lot. Like this is the slush pile. Um, that's <laughs> not to say attacking anything. People. Yeah, but anything can be done well. Like I guess that's kind of that might be technically what happens in the black cheese. But when you do it well, when you take it seriously, like. In that story, he takes it very seriously and does that um, kind of cosmic dread thing attached to it. I think it can work, but the, the, there was an aloofness. There was like this cockiness to the slush pile that drove us crazy. <laughs> it was like it was like people were literally shitting out stories and giving them to us. Like, there you go. You're welcome. That was easy. That was easy. Here's another one. And they were just they were so lazy. They didn't have a third act. They, and we were talking about this, uh, and Max and I were just like, where's the third thing? Give us a third thing. Mm -hmm. Somebody, like, here's a typical half-baked pizza story. Pizza delivery guy goes to deliver a pizza. Um, something horrible happens to him. The end. Now, that, all you need to do is a third thing. 
Like, I'm not saying that's not, <laughs> that's a, that's not a bad place to start, but where's that third thing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, all of, right. Go ahead. But yeah, I, I just want to say that short stories, like people have to put a book's worth of stuff into it. It can't, I, even if it's just a moment in time, you gotta, even if it's not all on the page, that it has to be conceived of as a larger project than what I think people are used to. People think of short stories sometimes unsuccessfully as, uh, as just um, scenes, not right. stories. Like a clipping well, of something, like a slice of life. Yeah, um, and I guess that's, that might be considered flash fiction, but, you know, that's dangerously close to poetry, and we all know that that's worthless. Yeah, nobody wants that. <laughs> uh, you came, you came fucking close to putting poetry in this. Um, we can talk about that in a minute, but I think you like kind of backdoored some poetry in. But hey, so I was trying to think of like uh, how to have a serious conversation about pizza horror last night when I was like um, getting ready, for, you know, doing some pr- preparation. And so, like, one of the things that I thought of, and I don't know if this is anything that you were like consciously aware of or thinking of, was um, so there's there's plenty of stories in this book that incorporate delivery. And I got yes. to thinking like delivery is probably the, not the easiest, but the most obvious kind of like mm-hmm. Avenue of vulnerability because you're out there, you're going to a place you don't know. Um, yes. Anything could happen. So was that kind of, was that a theme or were, uh, what, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Cause like for me, it was like, there that's where the horror probably most often lurks yeah i no i think you're absolutely right it i think that that kind of those kind of float into the top of the slush pile um there's a there were a lot of delivery guy stories um but you're right it's the it's got an inherent suspense built into it right now i don't know it's and i think it, it might be more incidental that we have so many just because that's it's it's not that it's a it's an easy way to write a pizza story, some sort of shortcut or half-assing it. It's what people kind of want to see. Like I, I, when I think about a pizza, there's only so much you can do making the pizza. Although people did that too, you know, yeah. people they did that with that part of the story. But the, there's a there's an inherent momentum to going to deliver a pizza, just like you said. You're knocking on a strange door. And um, the ones that had the most interesting things waiting on the other side of that door uh, are the ones that got our attention. Um, And the people that they really thought about what's on the other side of that door. You know, Um, it can't just be. And then he got killed, (laughs) you know, (laughs) not if you're going to make it into the anthology, at least. Yeah. Oh, So you mentioned a little bit of uh, online, I don't know if controversy is the right word. I guess I'll let you decide on what the word is. But there there were some some challenges um, popped up on the intranets um, while you were compiling this. Do you want to share some of that with the with the listeners? Yeah, a bunch of uh, a bunch of people that got rejected started to bomb the submission call and talk about how they should get their own book together of rejected stories. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And first it, it just seemed like a kind of a funny joke or, you know, like, Oh, look at the balls on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 
after a while, you know, there's enough people that are, there's some desperate people out there who want a taste of that no money and no, <laughs> no real fame. They, they think that it's, that there's, that it's something that they really, really want to be part of. But you don't need to be part of it. You're, you'll be fine not being part of the stupid pizza book. You know what I mean? But these people are fucking desperate. Um, and that's different from being, from being hungry, if that makes any sense. So that desperation mm -hmm. started to show up in the thread where people were saying, hey, and we could call it leftovers or we could. And they got serious and they were talking about wanting to put a, um, a, a book of rejected stories together. And I don't know if we had any uh, <laughs> legal leg to stand on, but basically uh, we swooped in and started to uh, yell at them. Um, basically, I was just like, I'm going to get the legal team on the horn. You know, but I, I don't know what we could have done. You could make a fucking pizza book all you want, but the idea that it was somehow associated with an existing book is where they would potentially get in trouble. You know, they, I think, um, yeah, because they would, the idea was they were advertising themselves as specifically stories rejected from this other book. Right. And even, even if it's not legally sticky, it's fucking pathetic. It's so yeah, cheap. Yeah. yeah. It was just, it's just fucking embarrassing. It's a little petty. It's fucking embarrassing. Like you, <laughs> you really want to do that? First of all, you probably got rejected because you put a pizza in there as somebody's fucking hat and it has nothing to do with your story. So take it out. It took you five seconds to write it. One second to throw a pizza in it, remove the pizza. Like these people are like, what am I going to do with the story now? First of all, write another one, you lazy fuck. Write another story. <laughs> Was there an actual pizza hat in one of these stories? Because you've said that no. several times now. I don't know why I keep saying that. I'm all trying right. to think of the dumbest, the dumbest thing. Where Someone's the fucking writing one right now as they listen to this. They're like, fucking pizza hat. That's my pizza story. Hat. We're on it. Pizza hat. <laughs> and it, it's a pizza hat, and it attacks his head. The end. You're, you're welcome. No, I shouldn't talk. I shouldn't talk shit about these strangers that got rejected, but um, but they brought it on themselves. Like they started publicly saying that they wanted to do this thing, and it opened them up to some criticism. Normally, the rejected stories, you know, that's part of the. That, I don't like it when you know editors kind of get their rocks off making fun of the slush pile, but this time they opened it. By they, I mean the. I'd say about 50 people have been talking about putting this other book together. So I'm, I'm generalizing a bit. I'm treating the other, you know, what is it? Thousand people as these 50 idiots <laughs> that got rejected. So it's not their fault. Um, so I feel kind of bad that they're, that they're that desperate to be involved with this. Make your own shit. You know what I mean? Like do your own thing. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the other thing that was happening in the wake of, um, you you announcing doing a call for submissions was other um, non pizza themed books were specifically saying no pizza stories when they were in their calls <laughs> yeah. for submissions right yeah yeah um, <laughs> that's because the, that's because there's those those pizza stories where you know we're go you're like they were, you... they were free to find another home you're like Paris Hilton. She started carrying a dog around in her purse, and then everybody else started carrying a dog around in their purse. And all those dogs ended up at the pound. 
Yeah, it's or like what was it in Mean Girls when they somebody cuts the the breasts out of her shirt and then everybody's wearing. <laughs> That's basically what I, I cut. I cut the balls out of my pants and let them hang out. And now there's like fifty people out there with their balls hanging out. Um, I don't know where that analogy goes, but the point is. <laughs> It's good that's enough. The kind of, that's the kind it, of analogy you would find in a rejected pizza story. That analogy needed a third thing. <laughs> it needed a third thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, man. Oh, you busted my uh. balls. So I think we have a pretty clear picture of where you were on this, but you were not the only editor. Max Booth III also Correct. took in this. Did he come at it with the same enthusiasm that, that you've had? <laughs> no, Max is about ready to jump off a cliff. And there's a third person, uh, Lori Michelle. Um, she also, um, I, she probably should have given herself editorial credit. She was, um, she comp- she put the book together. She designed it. I think, you know, th- their home life is a mystery. I don't know what happens behind closed doors, but they seemed to, a book appeared one day. And I think that Lori is the, uh, book designer over there. So um, they both are uh, real tired of this project. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me find. Hey, let me. Let me see the last email I got from Lori because it was kind of funny. Oh, here it is. Oh, no, I found it already. I hate you both. <laughs> it's the last email I got. And then my eyesight cannot handle this book any longer. <laughs> And then I said, you'll never hate me as much as I hate myself. And then she said, or no, Max said something like, I want to, no, no, she says, I want to kill you. And then I said, end my suffering. And then Max said, um, every day I read. I regret doing this pizza book with you. <laughs> so that's just a little taste that's just me looking at my my uh, correspondence with the other makers of this book, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. You know, we were we were in the trenches for a while, so that might be serious. Who knows? Well, now that you guys are yeah. rolling in the dough, oh. What? Oh. maybe oh. maybe they feel a little differently <laughs> about uh, about this. Uh. He went there. He went there. He, he did it. He did it. So yeah. Um, what was, what was the question? Oh, yeah. So no pizza stories. So that people people keep tagging me and stuff like uh, strangers are saying, what the fuck is this no pizza story? And then somebody in the comments will say, you know, just tag my name so that I get <laughs> to see so that I get to see this angered editor from some other place. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's kind of weird. That, it's um, you reaping what you sowed. Yeah, it's not even people just uh coming across it and then pointing it out it's it usually starts with a third party annoyed by all the pizza stories they're getting (laughs) who then goes on social media to vent like what is happening in the world where these shitty pizza stories are showing up everywhere and um and then someone tags me in that so it's kind of an organic uh um uh, uh notices that i get rather than just people looking to make you know, make fun of it because it is kind of funny. But this this is actual frustrated people out there. <laughs> you know, enjoy because you're going to get those for about another year. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So I don't know about you guys. 
I'm thinking we've talked enough about the rejected stories. <laughs> the losers. Um, Let's talk about have, some of the have, winners. Have, have we though? Yeah. Have we, <laughs> well, unless you start pulling them out and reading them and yeah. calling out their flaws, I feel like the the territory is well tread by now. I'm not going to do uh, that. Although I was disappointed. The last thing I'll say about the rejected stories is that um, I wanted to pu- I wanted to just compile all the names of all the pizza places because with hundreds of submissions. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. So, there's so many fake names, and I you know I thought I could do something with that, like just. First, that list itself is begins to live and breathe, right? The fact that good story, bad story, whatever. The fact that these hundreds and hundreds of people thought up an imaginary name for a pizza place and put it on paper. I wanted to compile that in some way. I thought, of like, I'm going to make a scrapbook out of it, you know. And um, I actually made a big list of the names. And uh, I think I put it on Twitter or something. And it was, uh, you know, as far as your eye could see, just every possible <laughs> fake name. And within seconds, which I think outs Max is having me on uh, see first on on Twitter or Facebook. So quit stalking me, Max. He immediately said, uh, <laughs> uh, I think you got to take this down because this puts us in legal jeopardy because those are not accepted stories and it's copyrighted material. And he's absolutely right. I don't know if you can, if those were the names of their there's actually a loophole. I was thinking about it. You can't copyright a title. So a lot of the rejected stories, the name of the fake pizza place was the title. Um, maybe that's a loophole. I don't know. But that's my one sadness about all the rejected stories. I don't think that they should put together their own book, but they should put together their own scrapbook for my <laughs> viewing pleasure. Because I think they did a good thing. I think they did an interesting thing by coming up with so many fake pizza place names. Anyway. That's the last thing I'll say about that. Uh, and now that that's said, um, tell people where they can reach you if they need a name for their pizza place. <laughs> I understand you've opened a side business where you will sell people pizza pizza restaurant names. Pizza restaurant names? I guess you could do that. I mean, you've got the, like the same 800 way, of them, right? Yeah. The same way that motherfucker sold my phone number when I last time I uh, ordered something online and now I get uh, calls in the middle of the night. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to them. <laughs> it's like the, it's like a lame Glengarry Glen Ross knockoff. I got the leads, and the leads are just a stack of stupid pizza names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got the leads. Um, Rob, tell us about your first uh, standout story. Yeah, for anybody who's listening, uh, who uh, it's been a while since we've done like an anthology or, or, or a collection. We usually choose like two or three of our favorites and talk about those because we're not going to talk about however like twenty-seven stories or something that'd be insane. Uh, the first one I'd like to talk about is, uh, I'll just do these in the order they appeared in the book so as to not be biased. Uh, last request by Rob Hart, um, which in my short little synopsis I wrote, uh, it's about someone who works in a prison who, uh, I guess kind of empathizes with someone who's on, on death row and they're the person who's sentenced to die. Uh, his he wants his last meal to be pizza from this pizza place in New York, and it's uh, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was like is a neat idea, and um, uh, like the way it it, unro- it unfurled was was really good. Yeah, and that's a fun one because um, it's I don't know if you guys noticed it's one of the one of only two reprints, and uh, 
it's oh. uh, yeah. it, it was it was in his um, collection of, of oh, food takeout. noir. Yeah, yeah, which I think if you read the introduction to that, he talks about how a friend gave him the idea for his food noir book. I'm not saying that's me, but if you go <laughs> if you go back to Facebook. And you look at when he had a, I think he pub, uh, published a couple food-based crime stories, like his bagel truck one that he read in Louisville, um, and I was down there with him. Uh, I think I said something in his comments, like, you know what, you have to put a collection of food noir together. And he says, huh, interesting idea. Now, we've never actually talked about whether, <laughs> all, all the different ways I might possibly be inspiring Rob Hart, but <laughs> I think it's kind of, uh, there's some synchronicity there where, he wrote then other pizza crime stories and uh, put them in this book. And then I reached out to him and I said, you got all these food crime stories. Do you have something pizza related? And he's like, well, as a matter of fact, I do. And of course he does because he's got so many food related crime stories that it would be, and he lives in Staten Island, you know? Yeah. New Yorkers can't help themselves from like talking about how great their pizza is. Right. So I figured there's got to be, and he, and he had it. And um, so uh, that's one of those things that fell into place uh, really quickly um, where the story already existed. It had already been published. Um, so we just had to uh, slap it in there. Um, so, yeah, that was a fun one. And it's also positioned great because it, uh, like we were talking about earlier, it takes it very seriously. It's a very somber yep. piece. And it happens um, right before the gross-out extravaganza. <laughs> uh, but it's um, it's kind of like a, a bit of a mission statement at the beginning, saying these stories are going to be relatively serious. Um, so I think it was a good uh, a good addition. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, for sure the most down-to-earth story in this collection. Like like the most plausible is probably yeah. the, the the way I would put that. And and uh yeah, uh it's also the least <clears throat> the least gross. Well, if you like Rob Hart crime food stories, you should check out Hard Sentences, the Alcatraz collection because he uh wrote about the mess hall in Alcatraz. Um that's the uh that's that hook, that's that food hook again. Um and we got him for that too. So what are you guys leaving me hanging? What's happening? <laughs> I just wanted to give you as much space as possible to shield your other books. I didn't want to yeah. make you feel constrained. Well, it seems like a no-brainer if you like this one, <laughs> Rob. I but, have the well, other book already. I can go buy another one. if. Yeah, I know. You didn't buy that one. I sent it to you. So <laughs> I don't know who you... It's not like you bought it. It's not like you went to Alcatraz and bought it where it is available. By oh, the way. no. The, I think I was in your shop. living room when you gave it to me. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Going to the complete anyway. opposite end of the spectrum, um, my first standout story is Mickey and the Pizza Girls by Sherry White. Oh, see, I was wondering when that would get uh, get some more attention. It, um, it hasn't showed up in uh, the first few reviews that I've seen online. And... It's so out there that I thought that it would be uh, an outlier where people would be fascinated by it. Um, I yeah, so... love this goddamn story. Awesome. I, I really did. And it's, I think it was, um, I mean, it, it came at a part in the anthology where I was, I was ready for a change. Mm-hmm. And man, did we get one? It is 
probably up there with the most crazy of the bizarro stories or books that I've read. And it takes place in this kind of near post-apocalyptic future where uh, something has happened that have caused people to kind of meld with other things. And if you go outside the outskirts of the town, there's this weird thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of the old Mickey song in it. And it was absolutely terrific. Yeah, I know, it's, I know you liked it because of that song. That's well, because of that song, yes, that's actually the last the last uh, cassette I bought was uh, the Omiki <laughs> Omi- <laughs> Omi- oh, song. Shit. Um, wow. But you know what? It was super lighthearted. In, in what, quite honestly, I mean, the rest of the book is is really heavy, right? So it's a lot of a lot of really gross stuff, <clears throat> a lot of really serious stuff. And this one, although you know a little gross in parts, um, is just. I don't know. It just seems like a very fun, loving story. It really brought some levity um, to what is otherwise a, a, a pretty, a pretty heavy, heavy collection. Yeah, there's there's some humor in some other ones, but that one was. Um, I agree that it's got kind of a whimsical thing going on, and uh, even though there's some body horror in it, but it's almost like Doctor Seussian. Like there's something there's something about it that, fe- that feels like cheerful, carefree. Yeah, it's like a cheerful horror story. Um, but yeah, that was a that one was fun, and um, and it, it was kind of like it reminded me a little bit of Cameron Pierce's stuff we were talking about earlier. Yep. Kind of get that. Yeah, the Ask Goblins, stuff, Ask Goblins of Auschwitz. Yeah, um, which is a child perspective of um, some very uh, gruesome body horror. Um, but yeah, and I think it falls. A, it, it comes right after a very dry, uh, academic sort of story, so it. Um, I think it's got a good placement as well, uh, where it kind of opens up the. After spending time in the, almost in the library of the previous story, it like the lights come on and you're in this weird Susian world, you know, so. All right, my second standout story that I'd like to talk about in this uh, this anthology is "Elude the Snood" by Tony McMillan. So uh, the basic, yes. yeah, the basic idea of this story is um, this guy uh, goes to a pizza place, like a, a popular pizza place, um, whose kind of marketing mascot shares a name with his last name. His last name, the character's last name, is Snood. And it's basically made him like the butt of jokes and stuff like that. And so he's basically snapped and he goes to this pizza joint to exact his revenge or, or have his have his moment with um, with this pizza chain. Um, and it and it gets really interesting. So Tony, anybody who's listening will remember we reviewed Nefarious Twit like forever ago. And um, he made the cover for Pig Iron, yes, the David did. James Keaton book. And yeah, I just really enjoyed the story. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, he um, and he also tapped into that whole uh, um, like something weird, culty going on, PizzaGate kind of dealy. Yeah, you know, there's that. That's kind of creeping around. Like there secret as well. society. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he's got there's a the same way his art is kind of dense and uh, kind of ragged you know, art upon art, his, his fiction's like that too. There's a density to it that I really enjoy, you know, mm-hmm. and he's got a, there's, there's some great zingers in there. 
yeah there's a lot of like really like there's a lot of individual moments that that's that stand out um for sure my uh, next but... standout story and and uh, a little bit in the vein of rob hart's story and that there was some some fairly emotional stuff going on is leftovers by betty rocksteady yes and this is a story about a, a girl who who that loses a, a loved one but the the that is a small part of the story because she lives in a world where you know for lack of a better term there's some form of zombies that have started appearing kind of like just hang around outside your house waiting for for an opportunity and there's some pretty good emotional stuff in there i, I really like that story uh, aside from how like crazy um the the world she lives in is i thought that the characters were really great and i probably had the the best emotional connection with that story which it's difficult to say publicly that emotional connection with a story in a pizza horror book but there you go it <laughs> happened with betty rocksteady right. story well, I think the key there is that she um, she very smartly grounded it with uh, with very relatable um, dilemmas. Like the dilemma is not the creatures; the dilemma is her mother, you know. Right. And that's and so that is your that's your your in to that crazy situation is a very relatable. Um, uh, crisis that's going on and you know and there's also some layers of it's like a it's kind of an update of the you know the secret cutting phenomenon you know like well yep. sharp objects explored that so there's some of that but it's you know it overlaps with the um with the whatever the creatures are causing is all it kind of feels like a self-mutilation thing that she's doing as a way to you know get a hold of her life which is you know something that you see in stuff like uh, like like Gillian Flynn's um, book Sharp Objects. So that stuff was um, was great because it it adds that you know that humanity to it. And plus we had we had quite a few zombie stories come in, and uh, there were even more that I would have liked to have taken, but they didn't. Um, well, you can't have too many. You know, I didn't. Or I should say. You can have too many. Uh, <laughs> that, was a, that was a Freudian slip. I wish there were, but it, but hers aren't quite zombies, right? So she 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 found mm -hmm. a, she threaded the needle there. There's something else. There's some sort of invasion, some sort of happening, right? And that's uh, and I like him. I like him vague. You know that whatever it was was not. It wasn't like battling these things it was some sort of integration with them and society that was just being dealt with in very grounded ways so that worked uh so i think that worked well rob i think we secretly discovered um that david just found his next book which is zombie pizza horror stories <laughs> or just yeah, you... zombie 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 oh. zombies are they're so unfashionable that you guys should uh if only there was a zombie book you guys could uh well review. I, I mean I, I i will say that i recently re-listened to the three of us reviewing zombie bake-off by stephen graham jones oh that's and, a good um god damn that's zombies and food so there you go oh you're right that is such a good book i forgot about that book such a good book it's so many books ago um i'd probably reread that rather than mongrels even though that's his big you know his big breakthrough Mm -hmm. um 
Zombie Bake Off has so much going on. So good. But that's a, we'll talk about that later. Like I was just saying, I think about it often. I think about the way the like to solve the issue of them wanting to eat brains. They come up with a recipe for what brains would taste like. These right. little old lady, the little old ladies are like <laughs> going to cra- crack the code on tricking them. So good. And the like the assembling of the final zombie monsters. Yeah. So good. The evolutions. Yeah. Right. It's something yeah. thinking about like what what can you do with this played out topic that's what's that's the key right that's the key to the pizza thing too what can you do with this the idea of somebody delivering a pizza and something bad happening like you have to you have to think about it long enough to to you have to get sick of it a little bit you know (laughs) um all right so that's gonna lead me into my third and final standout story i want to talk about which is the parlor by evan dickin um which basically, it's like your family owned, like it's it's focused around a family owns a pizza restaurant, and um, as kids, the children know that something strange happens, like on this specific day of the week, and then um, it's not until they're kind of grown and the family is, you know, kind of split up and everything that they realize what's really going on and like the horror side of it, and mm-hmm. how that impacts the kids as they're older. Um, so good story as far as like telling a story of what happens to people, but the, the evil shit that happens was probably one of my favorite, like creepy things of all the stories. Yeah. That's a fun one too. Cause it, and it just shows that if you, if you do something well, you can approach that well-worn territory, which I think I said earlier, you know, we got a lot of stories about something weird going on with the ovens. Yep, and he uh, deals with that in an interesting way, and, and it helps that it's again grounded with very uh, relatable conversations. Kind of had a Stranger Thing kind of Stephen Kingy vibe, you know, mm-hmm. with those totally. with the with the kids, and um, you know that stuff's very accessible. So it it kind of lulls you into a more relaxed reading experience before you get to the, get to the crazy shit. Um, (laughs) And I think, uh, I think, yeah, that's, that's what sold it for us was the kind of the, um, you know, the super eight stranger things kind of deal going on at the beginning. It, uh, it's not quite YA because that stuff's getting kind of overplayed right now, but definitely um, in the kids heads in a believable way. Like, Real the real thoughts of children at that age are not necessarily young adult material. It's very it can be very much adult material. It's very right. str- strange, dark stuff that um, should be explored more than making it young adult. But anyway, that's a rant for another time. So, but yeah, I like it. It's good stuff. It's like as a as one of Tony's uh, characters says in his story, if it if it ain't baroque, fix it. Mm. <laughs> so i'm gonna go into my uh my final my final story which in a very keaton-esque way is not part of the book it's the afterword so it's not actually a story in the book ah yes the afterword but um i've got to say when i was thinking in the lead up to us reading this, we knew for weeks that we were going to review it. And in, in the back of my mind, I think, all right, what's coming up? And I was a pizza horror, pizza horror. And I started concocting it in my head. I actually said to Rob, 
um, and this will probably be kind of my wrap up in my wrap up at some point tonight. But I said, uh, you know, I half expected it to just be like, how many ways can we get shit on pizza? <laughs> but my second thought, and it's probably like 600, you probably have a number. But <laughs> my second I, thought, I actually thought the Noid. Somebody has to do a story about the Noid. And when I got to elude the snood, you thought, I said, well, there, there it is. There, there's your Noid. There couldn't possibly be another Noid in this book, right? <laughs> actually, that's exactly what I thought. And then I got to the afterword, which is called The Violent and Ugly Death of the Noid by Nathan Rabin. You know I what I'm saying? Is it, is it pronounced Rabin? Oh, um, maybe it's Rabin. I don't know. I think but I've heard. This guy, I th- yeah. Oh, you guys know him. He did uh, the very famous um, uh, World of Flops. Do you remember the the uh, AV Club where he would vote for whether something was a fiasco, um, a failure, or a secret success, and he would reassess famous flops? It's a huge column. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I saw that in his bio. Yeah. And he, but his uh, his his lasting legacy is that he coined the phrase. Um, manic dream pixie girl. Oh, is it? manic pixie manic, dream girl. Uh, manic, yeah. manic pixie dream girl, which was just uh, they just did a riff on that in the boys, the, the superhero takedown show mm-hmm. on Prime, where they said, uh, "Feral dream pixie girl, feral pixie dream girl." Either way, he made that joke about the movie Elizabethtown, uh, the um, Kirsten Dunst character. And now that you see that phrase everywhere, or variations of that phrase everywhere, um, so he really should. I don't know. Can he get money for that? Can he get? Can he get the legal, <laughs> the legal team on the horn? Because he he should get paid for that. But that's the second reprint. That one, um, because I'm a fan of his, I came across that and I was like, we gotta we gotta use that. Gotta have it. So he made this pizza horror story well before you even had an idea to do the book. He basically answered your earlier question where you said, who in their right mind <laughs> just just writes this anyway? And he had already done it. <laughs> he had done it. Um, he had this story, it. there's not a lot to say about it. It's exactly what the title is, um, although it's also kind of like the origin uh, of the Noid. And again, um, you know, it, it was a little on the dark side, but it still had kind of that whimsical feel because, you know, if you're whatever, over 30, you, you know who the Noid is and you're picturing this in your head the whole time, which even though the story itself is, is a little on the dark side, you know, yeah. gives it this whimsical feel uh, with the exception of there's there's I don't want to spoil the story, um, but you know what? I'm going to anyway. There is uh, there's one line in there that says uh, the following day. He enrolled in karate and began assembling a massive arsenal to take down the monster the city knew and feared. And that is absolute perfection um, in that story. Yeah, it's um, that one's fun because uh, I think it fits perfect as an afterword, like a because there's like a fake intro that's um, well, not totally fake. But um, me and uh, uh, Steve Gillis or Gillies wrote. um, something that starts off as sort of real and degenerates. So the, uh, after the book end of the book with these sort of, uh, reports from the real world, I thought would be a lot of fun. Um, it didn't feel, it, it felt like it existed sort of outside of the book. So I think it makes a great finale. Um, yes, it serves its purpose. <laughs> 
because we honestly we had another finale. Um, oops, you still hear me? I dropped the thing. We had another finale with the, uh, um, and she opened the door naked, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, was cracked me up. Um, I like the idea of uh, just kind of doing a, a exaggerated version of the old trope of the pizza guy goes to someone's house. The pizza porn. And, yeah. And, and there's, you know, the, the hot woman opens the door. And so that as just a embracing it, but also just kind of taking the piss, right? Seemed like a fun ending. But then <laughs> I thought it, it got, we started throwing a lot of endings at it. Uh, Max and I did a, did our own uh, extra story as a gag. And then there's a, and then there's a final, um, the Nathan Rabin piece. So it's like I. I didn't want the party to end, basically, is what I'm saying. So I kept, uh, we have, you have three, three possible endings to this book. <laughs> in, in perfect David James Keaton fashion, I, I might add. So yeah. Rob and I had already talked a little bit about the introduction, but there's an introduction that also has a story in it. There's an afterword that has a story in it. So I really thought like there was probably some kind of limit you committed to for stories, but you thought like, how else can I get stories? No, it's just, you got it back. You got it backwards as like with the other books, it's all just a very thinly veiled attempt for me to get my own work out there. Like to create a pizza book around my own ideas about a pizza story. Like it's a, it's a long con. Basically I want to put out a pizza story. I knew it was ridiculous. I knew people would be like, what are you doing? So if I create sort of this world of pizza stories and then just slide one in, you know, or slide one or in two, there, start to it. Or maybe, <laughs> three, maybe there's some that are, Hey, maybe there's some, uh, some fucking pen names. I'm not, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. No Rob, one's ever you, heard of. Yeah. Matthew you King read, before. If you read the, um, the, even numbered words in the bios you may find that there's something else there too oh no andy's doing the secret society thing yeah Um, there's a lot there's a lot of bells and whistles Um, so that introduction was um was the best introduction i i've ever read um partially because of, of your um you know kind of your the way you communicate your ideas i like um, intros also, too i i have fun with intros this letter by Steve Gillies was tremendous. Rob and I collectively um, chose it as, as our favorite story of the whole anthology. Whoa, what? Yeah, he's exactly. Gonna be, he's going to be excited. Um, he, if, it depends on what day you get him. Sometimes he pretends like that letter was real and, and says, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? I never sent that letter. And sometimes he's excited about the attention his letter's getting. So um, he'll, he might be excited to hear that. Um, yeah so yeah was, it was i will say it's more real than you think it was <laughs> it was legitimately a letter that he sent me i will say that i'll leave it at that and things progressed from there um is, is he a writer he is i think he actually uh he developed some sort of writing app or something i don't know what he's doing we uh, we went to grad school together. The part of the letter was that's all true. We went to uh, went to the University of Pittsburgh, and um, had a couple classes together. And uh, he 
You know, he's in Chicago. I think he's close to you guys. He's somewhere somewhere in that city with you. Um, but he, so yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting. A lot of people from University of Pittsburgh incorporated writing into their into their careers, but in interesting kind of different ways. Like another guy I just saw the other day wrote a, he's doing a uh, cartoon on Netflix. He's writing it. And that's another one of my classmates. So they, I think Steve did something. I want to say something with a, with an app related to some sort of learning tool with superheroes. I don't know. I might be getting this all wrong. Um, I'm sure that if he listens to this, he'll be like, what? No, no, it's this thing. So uh, it would be funny if it turns out he owns a pizza place. (laughs) He might. He's going to maybe write you another letter when I say maybe. It's not sure if he actually did or not. This will result in another letter, I have no doubt. He wrote the dialogue for the robots in a cartoon app that's it's on iTunes, Zacky the Robot, Quest for the Museum Treasures. So it is, well, I don't know what that is, but Zacky <laughs> the Robot, uh, Quest for the uh, Museum Treasures, he did the dialogue for. Um, yeah. But again, it's go. just another... Another example of uh, what you what you can do with an MFA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So I want to commend um, probably my favorite line in the book is an analogy uh, to Pac-Man, and you know without giving anything away or whatever, but it it's in the, the story, uh, the bonus slice written by yourself and Max Booth the third entitled Pizza Party Friday. So I have a pretty good idea that i know which one of you came up with that but i guess i'm just looking for for confirmation so which one of you guys came up with the awesome pizza or uh, pac-man pizza analogy that would be that was my line that was my line i kind of figured because it's uh it's at the end of um well it's at the end of the story but it's not the end chronologically i remember um this it felt like it was missing something even though it's I guess it's kind of a joke story, but we took it seriously. So mm-hmm. it felt like it was missing something as far as its structure. So I kind of Tarantinoed it up, and it doesn't. Yep. It it ends on its uh, emotional ending rather than where the characters literally end. And the emotional ending felt like that sort of wistful moment, thinking about how when a Pac-Man character dies. It's very pizza-like, right? It looks like a little pizza. And it turns itself sort of inside out. And I thought that would be kind of a sublime conclusion. Um, and it, so it happens in the uh, chronologically in the middle of the, of the week. It counts down the days, right, to Pizza Party Friday. And I forget the order that it goes. But I just kind of shuffled it up, shuffled it up like old, like Pulp Fiction, you know? So, so this is i don't know who's going to be weirder in this exchange that's about to happen um but i knew that the pac-man thing was yours because you do a pac-man thing in the last projector Uh oh did i do the same metaphor no no it was something about running off the board on one side and coming Uh, on to the other side and um that's interesting what you're describing sounds a lot like a sequence 
um, in under the Silver Lake, where I knew we would I, get to this. I, not I, yet, David. Not where, yet. Where, where not yet. Where a character maps out a video game to figure out, like he kind of like makes a treasure map out of it, and you know, in those games, you run off the side and you come out the other side. Yeah. I'm not saying that they stole from me, but you know, we got the legal team on the horn. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So anyway, I knew that Pac-Man <laughs> thing was you because you have. There's like little like uh, tent pole obsessions of yours, and I think that like. So what um, you're saying, what you're saying is you knew the Pac-Man thing was mine because you saw it in Under the Silver Lake. Is that what you're no. saying? <laughs> no, that's what you're saying. Because <laughs> that's you know you'd be right. But uh, <laughs> I do have to say that uh, the the kind of when the when the reveal of the Pizza Party Friday sortie happened, I was like, man, that's fucking great. That was a really good kind of like oh i see what's going on so i really enjoyed that story too that's funny that story is is been around a while like uh i first took a crack at that with john Bowden. um we were trying to think of something to write together and it's just kind of hilarious i was back when i was closed captioning still and i took you know my break at the closed captioning place and i thought john and i should write something together and at the time it was going to be uh I think the care. I don't know if the characters' names were Dave and John, or if they were two other names. Mm-hmm. But either, either way, I just started and just said, uh, um, "Day one, the world ends. This guy wants to find a pizza." And John sent back, "I have no idea what to do for day two. <laughs> 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 and I said, "Well, I said, well, let's just give it some time." Maybe it'll it'll occur to you. We'll just because my in my dream, you know, you read the Talisman and you hear all these stories about Stephen King and uh, and Peter Straub bouncing back and forth. Like I wrote a chapter and then he wrote a chapter, and I thought it's structured perfectly: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Each one of us will do a day. Um, I'll do four days. You do three. It'll give us something to do. And after Monday, he was like, "No idea what you're what we're doing. What is the, <laughs> what is this? Wait, what?" And, uh, you know, he's real nice about it, but I said, well, we'll see. Maybe something will come to you. Then what? Five years later, 10 years later, it might be 10, it might be a decade later. I thought let's fucking crack that open because it has a fucking pizza in it. And, uh, I think Max and I cranked that out in like a week. He just, uh, he would send back, um, sections and, um, I'd send him back sections and it became like kind of a game to make each character. Like I kind of, concentrated on the max character to make him as dumb as possible and he did this <laughs> and he did the same thing it's like we had this competition of one-upping who could make you, the other guy be more of an idiot <laughs> so you'll notice there's all this talk about you know our characters are confused about some pretty normal things early on because <laughs> we're you know just, so that was a fun game it was a fun game to like kind of insult each other so yeah, that was fun. That was that worked. That was another one of our the false endings to the book. We thought that would be a great, fun uh, conclusion. You know, we show up, and it was actually going to be a bonus story in the hardcover version. Um, but then it, we put it in this anyway. Might as well throw throw yeah. it all in there. Are there any stories you specifically want to talk about before we kind of uh, do some wrap ups and and throw a throw a rating on this bad boy? Um, sure. There's a uh, you know, there's um, a lot of them that I had a lot of fun 
working with the authors on and a lot of them that really surprised me the uh and then there's some that showed up fully formed it just like sprung from the author completely polished and finished some of these went back and forth with a lot of revisions and and that's always i think fun and you know there's um some authors are more used to that and kind of like get into the spirit of that kind of collaboration some of them understandably not as much um i don't think i'm as eager to work with editorial comments as i wish others were <laughs> you know what i mean so i'm always it's always great when when you can kind of riff off each other and, and get and kick the story up a few notches but then some of these stories showed up and i'd look at it and say this it, this looks like it was revised 10 times and an example of that is uh, Jessica McHugh's story, When the Moon Hits the Eye. Um, it showed up, and I, I couldn't find a single typo in it. I couldn't find anything in it that didn't feel like that's what it was supposed to be doing. And uh, it's the frat boy story. I don't know if you got it. It's right at, mm -hmm. the, uh, at the beginning. And um, it was very polished. And uh, I think later she said something about it when I mentioned that to her, that she um, hired someone or knew someone who gave her feedback on it and that they worked mm. to flesh it out. And that would be great if every author would get it to that level before, you know, but then again, you would miss out on some of that minor collaboration that some more eyeballs can do. Um, so it's, it's kind of, I can see reasons for both, but that was one where, it just was completely done. And I thought, well, we should, we need this story because it's, uh, it fulfills the, anytime you have frat boys getting the comeuppance, you know, like, in yeah. or like, you know, it's, I just, it's, it's a fucking crowd pleaser. So I wanted to have some fun, even though there's so like Olivia's pointed out, there's some grim stuff in here, people being punished a lot, uh, mm -hmm. which kind of goes with this, this, um, attempt to be serious so to have that that one felt like a movie from like the mid 90s movie about pizza frat shit gone haywire you know and these asshole dudes getting their fucking payback that punishing somebody in a fun way seemed like a great a great addition um, yeah especially with like when you find out what's going on with those sorority girls <laughs> right like, i've never seen that before right and, uh, nice. and it and it, it also gave it some, um, you know, some uh, aggressive female energy. Oh uh, yeah, because <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of dudes delivering pizzas. Not nothing against them. There's a lot of dudes delivering pizzas, and it has that kind of uh, there's there's toxic masculinity in this book that's there um, for it's kind of inherent to the business of pizza delivery asshole you know what i mean or yeah. stalkers you know pizza delivery guys kind of segue into stalking and that kind of fits with that kind of mentality of those dudes so those dudes are in here you know and they get punished horribly don't worry although some of them don't you know because that's life sucks sometimes <laughs> so you know uh so hers was a nice counter to that um another one i would say was a standout was uh, craig wallwork did a um, kind of a 
it was almost like a Robert Heinlein um, vibe, kind of a golden age of science fiction vibe. If you guys have ever read uh, All You Zombies, which doesn't actually have zombies in it. It was made into the movie Predestination with Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. Which had, did you guys see that? It's got a crazy twist. I don't want to give it away. But David, the story, I oh, saw that movie. What? <laughs> oh, whoa. Oh, oh. <laughs> He's busting your balls. He's bust, busting my balls. Uh, yeah, so that the the loop, if you, then you know what I'm talking about, Livius, mm-hmm. there's a loop. Yep. Um, I thought uh, Craig did a great job with that loop. I like, I like stories that loop. I like the movie Looper, and this was kind of like a min- <laughs> this was like a mini Looper, you know. And he uh, and he did it with um, he did it in a very careful. It, it was like it's it has that it has that kind of old fashioned vibe to it. And the yeah. only thing I think I'd come across his, of his before was the um, gory hole, so kind of more of that Gonzo stuff. Uh, so right. I, I I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, not. I just didn't expect it to be as um, thoughtful and subdued. And I think that one should get, uh, I'm hoping that that one gets some more attention too, because it, um, we had to, um, we actually talked about this in the back and forth with the email, trying to work out the logistics of what he was talking about. You know, there's, it's kind of got a big, it's got a big plot for a small story. Yeah, you could make it's a book. high concept. Right. That's that's the what I was looking for. The words high concept. Should, so should, should we break it to should we break it to David that he was published alongside Greg Walwork in a book once? <laughs> <laughs> I think I knew that. I just didn't read that book. <laughs> God damn. Oh shit. Oh you, all right. you you just got booked. <laughs> um so yeah, uh, those those are fun. Uh, Cody Goodfellow, uh, that one was a blast. Also, that fun I wanted to. I thought it was a good opener. That's our first story in it. Uh, yeah, it was a solid Wendigo. open, and it's a good open because he um, he's good at that uh, throwing throwing all the ingredients at the wall, right? Like there was a lot of the pizza was front and center. There was somebody in a situation where, you know, they, uh, to give some of the plot away, he's going to a very special pizza place. He's looking forward to it. So it kind of had that, also that cheerfulness we were talking about earlier, but more kind of like a midsummer vibe. Like some, here's this guy who's going to somewhere new and everything is so happy and cheerful and you know, they're vegans and, you know, what lies beneath that might not be the most surprising twist in the world, but the way he does it is with that. He knows that it's not that the most surprising twist in the world. So he's going to, he's going to make it a blast. Um, So there's a lot of good energy there. So, yeah. um, So those were, those were fun. Um, Let me think. I don't have a, book in front of me but uh towards the end start throwing around some exclamation points in some of the titles as i recall in some of them he says yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, i gotta say that even though i didn't name it as one of my uh top three that by the slice uh nancy bruca clark where it's the ex-con who's just really meticulous 
and he's trying to help the pizza place get better or like get more business and the, and like that was right. a really good story mm-hmm. so yeah so some other stories that uh some other standouts that um that i thought were a lot of fun you, you guys came across the menu there's yeah. like a we've got a menu slash story um that was so, fun because go ahead go ahead uh, interestingly, two guys that both work together, uh, Lit Reactor, so Josh Chaplinski and Rob Hart, both uh, Lit Reactor um, dudes. I don't know if you made that connection, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually got the uh, the intros over at Lit Reactor right now, so it's a little incestuous. But um, I'll give uh, Josh was pretty funny. Where in the menu you notice there's a lot of movie references and jokes. So I got a little overexcited and I sent him like a bunch more jokes that I thought he could put in the menu. And he sent back, he's like, you know what they say, kill your editor's darlings. (laughs) 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 And uh, so, yeah, he he stuck to his vision. (laughs) But yeah, uh, that one's, go ahead. He has a collection of stories that just came out, I think. Whispers in the ear, whispers in the ear of a dreaming ape. So... Um, okay. I don't know if we're going to have time to review it, so I at least want to make a plug. Josh Chaplinski's Whispers in the Ear of a Dreaming Ape. People should check it out. Oh, fun. I don't think I've seen... Maybe I saw that mentioned. The Facebook throttles everybody's stuff now. Yeah. So there's so many books that some people have, and I will see them six months later because, uh, I mean, it's no secret that if you put a picture of a book... And then you put a link in the comments and Facebook can tell when the clicks are going elsewhere and they don't let anybody see it. So if his book was announced somewhere, I probably missed it. There's really no way to announce books on Facebook unless you take a picture of food. You see what I'm saying? You take a picture of a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) That's so so uh, that was the plan all along is what you're saying. That was, that was the plan. But yeah, um, some other uh, fun stories. Um, there's uh, we got a lot. There's three or four cults, uh, as I recall. It's kind of like the pizza delivery guy. The cults kind of stacked up, but I I do enjoy some cults. And uh, uh, Emma Johnson had uh, had like a, a Tinder date gone wrong, cult action thing going. Yep. That was fun. There was uh, there was the those mechanical Chuck E. Cheese um, kind of monstrosities. Bad night below Ricky's kind of reminded me of that. That one was fun. There was a uh, uh, another kind of throwback. It's right in the title, The Demons of 1994. Um, throwback to those uh, yep. kind of Ouija board kind of deals. Like you make a you make some sort of um, deal with the devil, deal with the devil pizza. It reminded me of, um, do you remember the ZZ Top video, TV dinners from back in the day? No. <laughs> that kind of a yes. stop motion. You remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I do. Stop motion. That stop motion critter comes out of it. I, that's all I could picture with her story, with uh, Izzy Lee's story, is the uh, the little critter from uh, ZZ Top. <laughs> not to not to spoil anything, um, but yeah, uh, that's that's off the top of my head. I can't um, can't think of any more right off the top of my head. But yeah, good stuff. A lot of fun. A lot of diverse uh, situations and dilemmas as far as um, the plot. So. I gotta say that the story by T. Fox Dunham, the Blessed Hungry. Oh that had yeah, some, that's an, 
another zombie one there right? yeah and that was really weird like not weird in like a like a bizarro way but just weird in a like it's a straight zombie story that has a couple of things where it's like oh all right well i guess that's a part of the story <laughs> yeah he's so. he he kind of like he it was one of those things where he quadrupled his plot right he's got yes he's, he's got he's got hitman he's got like the the uh the legacy of the of these killings at the pizza place. Um, he's got some sort of fetish going on. He's got this yeah. perverse weirdo, and then on top of that, oh, the world ends that day too. So this guy's got a lot on his plate. <laughs> There's a lot going on, and um, the uh, that reminds me of the other one it was Amanda Hard with the. Uh, it's kind of got a John Carpenter's vampires vibe to it with the mm-hmm. with the. Um, the like hard talking priests you know blessing pizza yeah Yeah. fun fun fact about john carpenter's vampires that's the only movie i've ever fallen asleep in in the theater (laughs) so how how could you fall asleep with something such great puns like here's your steak bitch so yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that neither of you have read the book that that was based on because <laughs> no. the book was actually really good. I really Wasn't enjoyed it? the book. I yeah. actually I do remember the book. It was uh, vampires with a uh, with a dollar sign for the yep. S, right? Yep. I think John I Steakley, maybe. Maybe I've yeah, got yeah. that wrong. I think it I might have been John Steakley. I do remember that. It was a lot of fun. It's uh, I thought that. The, there's about a third of a great movie in John Carpenter's Vampires. <laughs> Maybe that's what I slept through. And it's all the stuff from the book, which is the the very practical um, concerns of how you would deal with it. Like the, you know, hooking it up to your winch on your car and pulling them out into the sun. Very practical mm-hmm. solutions. Yep. All, that, all that stuff is, is straight out of the book. It's when he starts to get just the cliches start to stack up and it gets kind of lazy. Isn't Bon Jovi in that? Uh, you're thinking of the From Dusk Till Dawn TV show, I think. Oh, God. No, he was in the Vampires movie. I don't think he was, dude. James no? Woods was. James Woods was uh, the big one James in that. Woods, John Bon Jovi. One of the Baldwin guys and, in it. And James Woods was one of those, like, profane... Was he a priest? He might have been a priest. But that's what it kind of reminded me of. So, Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. John Carpenter presents Vampires Los Muertos, which is a follow-up to the box office oh, hit Vampires. Box office hit, huh? Yeah. And, I didn't see that second one. And Bon Jovi's in that? Yeah, Bon Jovi's in that one. Uh, so, Laura, so, so Laura bon Palmer Jovi, is in the Vampires movie. She yep. is, yeah, she, basically, she gets dragged around half-dead and called a bitch by daniel baldwin the whole movie it's not it's not a good it's not a good look did uh so was bon jovi in the tv show from dust till dawn or am i just getting everything no up? i don't think he's in that you're know. thinking of young guns too <laughs> hey that was that was a sweet cameo gun down in a in a pit as i recall yeah that's exactly what it is yeah yeah it's just were... and they, they they linger on him with his like it's like he gets like three hair. extra frames, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it makes no sense. It's like, who is this guy? Is he important? <laughs> oh no, he's not. Only there was on a stage. great, there was a great review of. Um, remember, Bon Jovi put out uh, Paul. Um, he had like a cowboy moment 
where Wanted Dead or Alive and he, the Young Guns 2 soundtrack. Yep. And uh, one of the reviews was being real snarky. And they're like, uh, John Bon Jovi inspired by his uh, pointless uh, cameo in Young Guns 2 has now <laughs> become a cowboy. And, he, and it was uh, it was like the Elton John kind of crossover tune that he had in the Young Guns 2 soundtrack. I don't remember. Oh, shit. Did I lose you? No, no, we're, no, we're here. We're, we're learning. Oh, the... Um, <laughs> my battery's dying on my laptop or my iPad. But anyway... What did that have to do with anything? Oh, yes. The uh, <laughs> Amanda story. Um, yeah, I like it when I like it when priests swear a lot. It's a lot of fun because you don't expect it. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was definitely good. <laughs> uh, we should do wrap-ups. I think we're going to do wrap-ups. We're, we're probably at that point. Rob, would you like to go first? All right. So... Um... I think that like the thing, one of the things I like the most about this this collection is that it exists kind of beyond itself in a way where like a lot of the stuff that we were talking about with um, other anthologies getting tired of people trying to send their rejected pizza stories, and the fact that there was like a rally to like make like the anti pizza book book. Um, so like it's got a lot of personality outside of the fact that it's a collection of stories, and that's 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 a great aspect to the book it was nice to see it all unfold as a, as the book was being made um but uh i think that the world needs books like this where someone just has an idea and they're like fuck it we're gonna see what we can make out of it um it has a lot of like authors that i really enjoy craig walwork rob hart michael paul gonzalez tony mcmillan's in there we didn't even mention brian evanson who uh i fucking oh, love right Oh right, yeah. The um, that he's got that creepy conversation. Uh, the fight that kills the guy. Oh, spoiler, dude! It's in the beginning. The guy dies. It's like the first paragraph. Can you anyway. cut that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, like, uh, and, and and in typical Keaton fashion, as he said earlier, like he found a way to write uh, stories even though he was the one that was pulling this together. Um, and when I read it, the first thing I read was the introduction, and I sat it down, and I was like, well, this is going to be tough to beat. And and you know you're in for an interesting read when you're like, I don't know if anybody's going to top the introduction. Um, <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. It had some ups and downs, and I think when you have 26 or 7 stories or whatever's in here, uh, you'll be hard-pressed to like all of them. And there were some of them that I just didn't, that didn't taste right to me. Uh, but overall, it was a lot of fun, and um, I love the idea of just doing pizza horror. So I'm going to give this five stars. Woohoo! I was tempted I... to give you four and a half just to like fuck with you. Oh, just to bust my balls. Oh, just to bust Night your balls. <laughs> give me another drink, Spider. <laughs> I um, I didn't want to read another collection of short stories this year. And maybe um, next year. And then they all turned out to be pizza horror themes. So I've gone around and people in my personal life, you know, they're like, uh, what are you up to? And I'm like, I'm reading a fucking book of pizza themed horror stories. And people looked at me and they said, well, why? Why? That was one of the first question. Why? <laughs> why? See, and that was my, so, that's my attempt to reach out to the common man to throw that pizza thing in there. I figured that would be exciting to those people that never 
You know, when you, you talk about you're reading a book and people are like, what you reading for? Like the famous uh, uh, quote from, uh, from uh, what's his name, Bill Hicks. But it's like, if you said you're reading about pizza, they might be like, oh, I'll check that out. You know what I mean? But you're telling um, me. No, you're nobody me actually that said that. Yeah, no, that did not occur. Not once. Wow. Um, wow. It, and I think I took that, that mindset into this book. So I went into it going. I don't know if I can read this fucking goddamn pizza fucking horror stories, right? And I'm like, there's just going to be a lot of shit on pizza, and there's probably going to be a Noid story. And, and you're right. bright both yeah. times. And I don't know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> but what I found, what I found was, and you, you said it, there is a diversity of stories involving pizza and horror that I could not have imagined um, without this. And like Rob said, they're not they're not all they're not all my favorite stories, but some of the ones in here showed a cleverness that I honestly didn't think I was going to find in the page of this book. And it's just me being really, really honest. I even looked at the table of contents. I was like, I know some of these people. I love some of these people's work. And I was like, but they're not going to fucking pull it off with a pizza story. Um, and in a lot of cases, they did. So and, what I've done, so the, well, let, I'm just going to cut in real quick. Oh, sure. Yeah. Excited. No, David, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really excited that what I've done by throwing this onto a, a pizza theme is I've lowered expectations. And so that, that's why you're like, oh, it's better than I thought. That's, I think that might be the new reason for this book's existence, to lower expectations and pleasantly surprise people. Now, how to turn that into profit, I don't know yet, but yeah. lowering, lowering expectations, that's the new blurb for the cover. Go ahead. I think that um, I was really impressed. And even in stories that I didn't love, I, I saw a cleverness in the vast majority of them. So um, I lost my train of thought a little bit. I can't imagine why. But it's because you were vaping. Yeah, it was surprisingly <laughs> um, enjoyable. So uh, I'm, I'm with Rob on this. I don't know that the world needs more super weird um anthologies but i do agree that that this one is is uh is much better um than than i thought it was going to be and i'm also going to give it five stars five smoke rings from livius so what else or do we have other stuff to talk about livius i'm sure that we could find something i mean we did spend 10 minutes talking about the vampires movie so i, th I think I'm, th I'm sure we can come up with something else um in all seriousness, man, what are you working on? So for yeah. listeners who don't know, there's a there's a baby in your life now. There is. There I was giving a Rob a chance Hold to up. drop Hold to on. drop the mic on this one. She's gonna say she's gonna say hi, ready? Why have you forsaken me, father? There you go. That was That's uh, the, ba the ba baby monitors are creepy. I'm putting together a whole a whole book of baby monitor horror. <laughs> That was the uh, the podcast debut of Baby James Keaton. That's right. <laughs> Anybody in your life is going to be whatever their first name is, James Keaton. Yep. Like you yes. do a podcast with. Uh, it doesn't with work. James. Yeah, there's a J. James Keaton. J. <laughs> James Osborne. Yep. Um, but yeah, well, uh, what was your question? What am I doing? I'm just. Um, well, this thing took a year, so. Let's take a break, but I've got uh, I've got a bunch of books out there waiting to hear something back. Um, for since the last 
novel. I've written four books that I've been so far Holy unable, shit. To, unable to place anywhere. Um, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, old, old new dad over here could use a win universe. So give me some fucking good news on my books. There was one called Gorse. I, I, I'm always like, oh, that fucking uh, book. Yeah, it's no it, longer that. It's um, <laughs> it's that's why I brought it up because it's been a couple <laughs> of years. So I know it's probably some something entirely different by now. Yeah, it's something different now. It's um, it's probably like a stage play or something. It's in flux. Uh. Pig Iron was almost a play, but uh, <laughs> and a movie, almost a movie and a play. A lot of <laughs> a lot of almosts, <laughs> a lot of almosts in my life. So yeah, um, I'll let you guys know when something it actually happens. But for now, there's a lot of a lot of almosts. The only, I guess, Under the Silver Lake was a big success story because I finally got <laughs> a, a book turned into a movie. <laughs> Do you want to expand a, on that a little bit? Because you talked about nah, it uh, at length nah. in your podcast. <laughs> nah, let's just... It's, it's starting to sound a little bitter. Um, I, I Here's what I want to say. the That adaptation was not very good. I didn't care for that movie. <laughs> that, just throwing well, it out there. That was, that was a shitty adaptation. So I don't know if that's <laughs> what that means well, to you. but it's It's certainly a mixed bag, right? Like, do you want the movie that ripped off your book to succeed <laughs> or do you want it to be bad <laughs> i think that depending on when you catch me i want it to be good or i want it to be bad i'm not totally convinced that it ripped me off by the way um but i have a lot of people who constantly tell me that it did so i'm just about convinced uh there's there seems to be a lot every time i talk to someone else there's more examples stacking up so yeah whatever um well, if anybody wants to hear uh, an in-depth discussion of that, um, David has his own podcast called Almost Good, and episode 28 is uh, where they discuss Under the Silver Lake. Um, and for anybody who's not aware, your co-host is the publisher of The Last Projector, so it's probably the two people in the world who have the most intimate knowledge of that book. Um, the second and, or the third and fourth being me and Livius. <laughs> probably yes uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's an interesting well, it's an interesting uh it goes from like uh it kind of vacillates i think from you know like more of a curiosity to like a full-out mania uh <laughs> depending on what part of the conversation you're listening to but it's it's definitely an interesting listen that's yeah that's what happens on on almost good right? <laughs> That's a, that's a good description of every episode. But yeah, see, I told you my life was full of almost. There's another almost for you. Hey, um, is The Last Projector going to be available? I believe it is not currently available for purchase. Is that correct? No, I think it's still in print. Um, okay. It was due to go out of print, but uh, the episode we did talking about how that movie alleged, <laughs> allegedly ripped me off, uh, it kind of blew up and it has like five times the downloads on Podbean and like 10 times the downloads as the other episodes on iTunes. And so we got curious, like, does that mean, like, is there going to be some new attention towards it? Because we've been talking so much about that movie, you know, uh, 
so we're waiting to see what's going on. There's there seems to be because he has the he gets the uh, statistics for those sites. Osborne does, and he said that it was just lighting up that. And if you look at the the number on Podbean, it had the numbers are public, and you know a lot of the episodes after a month, what it'll say fifty, which means um, that's fifty people downloaded it, and then so then another usually like another 50 to a hundred people will just listen to it on. You guys know all this. We'll listen mm-hmm. to it on the screen. And then on iTunes, uh, those numbers aren't public, but you can double that number typically because more people have iTunes. Um, so yeah, so I was expecting to see like after a couple weeks, 60 maybe, and it's at like 250, which means that it's at, um, it's probably to get like 500 people off Podbean have listened and like at least this is just in a month like a thousand people off of iTunes have listened to it uh, and he keeps getting all these hits so so long story short he left it in the print because it was the five <laughs> the five years were running out and he we saw the potential dollar sign he's like well maybe somebody's gonna fucking buy it and it did um, start to move a little bit so I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen with that book right now it should be available um, but it is at the end of its contract run at Broken River Books. So if you want to get it, you should probably hop to it. Maybe under the Silver League will send me a cease and desist. <laughs> no, I mean, down. that'll be good good uh, <laughs> publicity for sure. There's uh, well, one, left, one left in stock on Amazon. I checked while we were. <laughs> it says there's oh, okay. more on the way, though. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. It. Um, so yeah, that was. Uh, so you might have heard he was the first third of the books that Broken River had published were going to go out of print because they were hitting their their five year uh, anniversary, mm-hmm. I think, or more than that. It's right around there, I think. Um, so yeah, it's. I'm right on the cusp of that. You're you're six days away, according <laughs> to uh, according to Amazon. Six more days. <laughs> This is the week to buy the last projector. Yep. Yep. Your, yep, your last chance. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Anything else? I think that's going to do it. David, as always, it's been a pleasure. Let's uh, let's not wait until you put together some other kind of weird anthology to do this again. Uh, maybe uh, maybe we can collectively find a book the three of us want to review together. That's always a blast. But thank you um, for. I don't know, ignoring child care or whatever you've done for the last couple hours to be here with us tonight. Well, I appreciate it. Good to be uh, good to talk to you guys again. And uh, give me another drink, Spider. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, hey, I'm just busting your balls. Once again, awesome to have David James Keaton back on. I'm a little pissed at ours, at at myself, and and well, I guess you for taking so long to. <laughs> To, to get him back on because that was a lot of fun yeah we do this all the time right like we get someone on we're like that was so much fun why did we wait so long yep. so um david is somebody who has been with us since almost the very beginning um and continues to be uh probably the most entertaining guest that we have no offense to all the other guests but <laughs> I, I always i always i always re-listen episodes that he's on don't re-listen to all of our episodes. Yep. So um, I'm actually looking forward to, to hearing this one back when I'm not involved in it. So 
So um, if you're not, if you've listened to all our episodes or whatever, if you just want more David James Keaton, I would say just go over to Amazon and search for him. We've reviewed every book of his and we've given, I think, five stars to everything that uh, we've read. So he comes highly recommended and um, has a baby. So I think you should go buy his books. And uh, if you have some time and want to check out some older episodes, um, just go to the website, bookedpodcast.com. And in the search field, search David James Keaton. There's at least seven or eight episodes he's on. So, um, yeah, give the boy some love. Indeed. Um, We're not exactly sure what our next episode is because one of us is going to be on vacation. Um, But I can promise you in the upcoming weeks, uh, our two Patreon picks for 2019 will be reviewed. And they are Recursion by Blake Crouch. And it came from Del Rio by Stephen Graham Jones. We'll be uh, joined by our, our um, permanent guest holiday hosts. I don't, even, I don't remember what title we gave them, but uh, for, for each of those reviews, I um, started the Blake Crouch book. It's looking good early on, so I'm kind of excited to get through that. And, of course, Stephen Graham Jones is always a pleasure. So I feel like there's going to be two very um, fun and favorable reviews coming up um, before the end of September. Awesome. Well, that is going to wrap it up for a lengthy but excellent uh, episode with guest David James Keaton. Come back for whatever we got uh, next episode. And until then, I am Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading pizza horror stories. Pizza, pizza.